My name is Leslie Payne. Welcome to Day 25 of Below the Median Income. Some background information about how I came up with this. First is the Jim Rohn quote that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Secondly, on March 12, 2018, Director Joshua V. Barr of the Des Moines Civil and Human Rights Commission said, We have 75% of students experiencing some form of poverty in Des Moines public schools. So what can we do to improve that outlook? Research has shown that if a person remains in an impoverished condition up through their adolescent years, they are more likely to remain in that position as they become older and become adults. That information made me think of a person being in a space that they could see but were not participating in. It evolved into an idea for an art installation of aerial images of Des Moines displayed on the floor. The images placed the visitor outside the space they routinely travel. The audio components are interview recordings obtained from people involved with public or nonprofit organizations. The interviews tell the visitor about where that person routinely travels. The installation contrasts Des Moines ranking as a best-in-nation place to live, Iowa nice reputation of being overly friendly and go out of our way to help fellow citizens, and the visitor's personal story of where they travel in the city. You are listening to the audio component of my project. I didn't want the interviews to be an unheard story in a gallery setting. The best way I thought to prevent that was to make them available as a podcast. My guest for Day 25 is Morgan Nicole. She is a student and active advocate for anti-racism with the Paint It Black Project at Drake University. The university was founded in 1881 to provide a learning environment open to all without distinction of gender, religion, or race. Thank you for joining me, Morgan Nicole. What neighborhood of Des Moines do you live in? I live in the Drake neighborhood. Who do you live with? I'm currently a resident assistant in a first-year residence hall, so I live with a lot of first-years in my own hall staff. Finish the sentence. When I step outside the place I live, I see... A city that has a long way to go. When I step outside the place I live, I hear... Laughter, because despite everything that's going on in the world right now, I'd like to think that people would still take the time to smile, laugh, and, you know, share in the good things that are going on. What languages do you know? (laughs) English. And then I've been learning Spanish since I was about 10 years old. Went to a language immersion middle school. I've been still taking it in college as well. And I'm also... I just started learning Arabic. What made you want to learn Arabic? I'm an international relations major, so part of my studies is focusing on Middle Eastern countries and Middle Eastern cultures. So I thought Arabic was kind of a natural go along with that. How do you get from place to place? Here in Des Moines, I don't really leave campus much, but when I do, I usually take the DART bus. Depending on where I'm going, I might take an Uber, but a lot of my friends have cars on campus, so depending on where we're going, we often carpool. 
Where did you grow up? I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, more towards the Menominee Falls area of Milwaukee, which kind of differs from the inner city of Milwaukee where I went to school at and where I spent most of my time. Milwaukee is a great city to live in, but it is very segregated. Um, and that's just kind of a result of, you know, gentrification, redlining, that kind of thing. But it is the place that I call home. In 1935, the Federal Home Loan Bank Board created the Homeowners Loan Corporation, an entity sponsored by the federal government, to look at Des Moines and 238 other cities. They were tasked with creating residential maps to indicate the level of security for real estate investments in each surveyed city. On the maps were four areas. Those considered desirable for lending purposes were outlined in green and known as Grid A Best. Neighborhoods outlined in blue were known as Grade B Still Desirable, whereas older areas known as Grade C Definitely Declining were outlined in yellow. The lowest rated areas were outlined in red and labeled Grade D Hazardous. these decisions were arbitrarily based on the area's racial composition rather than income levels, the sociologist John McKnight coined the term redlining to describe this discriminatory practice in the 1960s. The Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Fair Housing Act of 1968 theoretically outlawed redlining However, its impact is still seen today. Do you follow a religious practice or attend a place of worship? I grew up in a Christian household, but I don't necessarily consider myself super religious. Um, I'm very, I'm a very spiritual individual, but you know that's kind of a very personal journey that I am still figuring out. What trait do you admire most in the people closest to you? Wow. Um, I definitely think that I've noticed that the people who are closest in my life, they are very strong-willed individuals. They are so kind of just determined to do whatever they are doing. And I think that's really great because I, I think that's one of the qualities that I admire most about myself is my ability to um, kind of hone in and focus on one area of my life and just, you know, give my all into it. I think that they are just that, and they are extremely loving and caring individuals. They have some of the biggest hearts that I've ever come across. What motivates you? Mm-hmm. I'm very motivated by the people in my life that I have lost and who sadly aren't around anymore because I feel like I owe it to them to be something and to do something that's worth mentioning and worth other people kind of modeling after. So I think that, you know, like I said, with my whole career thing and international relations, I've kind of used that as, you know, have the biggest impact that you can on the most amount of people so that, you know, the people that I have who aren't here are proud and can 
feel that they did something good by impacting me to do that. How did you find out about Des Moines? Well, I never really knew much about Des Moines at all up until my senior year of high school in like December when I randomly decided, hey, I'm, I think I'm going to go to Drake. That was the first time actually that I ever mentioned, had I even heard about Drake University from a guidance counselor who her son actually happened to have the same major and wanted to come to Drake. And so I came down for a tour in January and I came around the city, came around the campus, and I loved it. Kind of modeled Milwaukee a little bit in the way that there are very like tight-knit pockets of community, and it's relatively diverse, although Milwaukee is fairly segregated. And although I've seen remnants of that in the Des Moines community, I do think that it's growing in a way that is more positive and in a way that is more focused on community, and I'm excited to see that and be a part of that. What was your first impression? You know, I thought Iowa was like all cornfields. <laughs> Sadly, that's like a huge stereotype that people have about Wisconsin, too. I was fairly surprised. I was like, okay, you know, this is different. Um, a bit of a culture shock, especially within like the whole Drake bubble. You know, in coming from a high school that's largely a black population and coming from a city that has a high minority population of people of color. Undergraduate domestic student demographics at Drake University for the 2018-2019 school year was 81% white, 6% Hispanic, 5% Asian, 5% Black, and 3% identifying as two or more ethnicities. Do you vote in elections? Yes. Which ones? Local, national? Both. I actually just became of legal age to vote about a year ago. Um, so, yeah, I actually am only registered to vote in Iowa. Why is it important to vote? It, it's part of our duty as American citizens to share our opinions and also to elect individuals who can fight for the causes that we believe in, and regardless of what side of the aisle you are on. I think it's very important that you use your right to make a difference, no matter what way in which you think you are making that difference. What is something you do for yourself? I definitely don't do enough for myself, I will say that. I'm always very stretched way too thin when I do get the time to do things for myself. Sleeping is one of them. I love to write. I am a kind of self-titled spoken word artist, I guess you would say. So I use that time to reflect and write about issues that I face, issues that other people face, and just use it as a way to express my creativity in myself. How has volunteering your time changed your outlook? With my work with Movement 515, working at Hillis Elementary School last year, I think that showed me a lot of respect for teachers, for one, because I was put in the position to guide students and help them learn something. And that definitely shaped my outlook on how integral and vital teachers are 
to making this world what it is. It also gave me a new respect for the younger generation, which is kind of weird for me saying that considering I'm 18 years old. But kids younger than me, they are so receptive and so intuitive. These are some of the smartest kids I've ever come across in my entire life. They are so far beyond their years. They're able to have real conversations about real issues that they face and real issues that other people face in this world. And I think that's extremely important. When is the time you asked for help? I definitely think that's one of the things I need to work on is asking for help and reaching out when I need it because I don't. I'm very <laughs> I'm very self-reliant, which is one of my flaws sometimes. A time that I asked for help, it was probably around the time of second semester last year when, you know, everything was kind of at its busiest had my hand in like 12 different organizations and clubs and activities. People were asking me to do all these things and I have a hard time saying no to people. It came to a point where I have a pre-existing traumatic brain injury from uh, multiple concussions that I've had. And so that kind of just spiraled out into a huge migraine that put me in the emergency room for like two days and kind of took me out of my normal activity for about a week. And it was just kind of about asking for help from my professors and from my friends to take some of the burden of, you know, school and clubs and work off of me so that I could regroup and come back into things and do them to the best of my ability. What opportunities became available to you while at Drake? My freshman year, I definitely had a very untraditional experience being thrust into these leadership positions that I didn't expect. But I was able to not only make moves that were integral for myself as a Black woman, but also as a Black woman going into international relations. I had the opportunity to attend a lot of conferences, starting with the STRATCOM conference, which is the Deterrence and Assurance Academic Alliance Conference at the U.S. Strategic Command. That was amazing. I got to talk to a lot of foreign dignitaries and leaders and military professionals and, you know, get to interact and learn about subjects that I'm going to be talking about in my career. And that was extremely amazing, especially considering I was probably the youngest person in the room. I've also had the opportunity to attend the United Nations Association Conference in Washington, D.C., doing work with the UNA on Capitol Hill, kind of lobbying for, you know, United Nations support as an international organization, something which I find extremely important, the work that the UN does. And I got to be a part of that, you know, just learning that I get to be a part of something bigger because of Drake University and because of the position that I have had in my freshman year. I get to do a lot of things that other second years don't get to do. Going back to November 2018, Students of color living in Drake campus dorms received racist letters slipped under their doors. When did you find out about the letters? I actually found out about the letters about probably about 24 hours after they were sent. The first one, at least. Um, the first one, I got a picture of it sent to me from someone. After seeing that letter, we went into a meeting, supposed to be a shared space for students of color on this campus to kind of process their feelings about it. And so we decided to jump into action. 
from there on after that. Obviously, we know that the letters after the initial one were sent by a different student of color who I can't presume to know their motives, but it kind of shifted the focus a little bit from the original intent of the Painted Black Project and our efforts to, you know, rally against it and show community support. But I do think that all of the letters definitely showed the dangers of racism and the dangers of, you know, white supremacy and kind of just stereotypes that people have. It was a huge emotional toll on everybody on this campus, especially students of color. And so I think that the notes were in a, I don't want to say that they needed to happen, but I definitely think it opened a lot of eyes. As a result of the actions began by the Paint It Black Project and supported by many others at Drake University, a coat of black paint was put on the wide sidewalk between Forest and University Avenues. This area is referred to as the Painted Street. It remained that color until the 2019 Drake Relays. Traditionally, every student organization paints a design on a concrete square of the street before the track and field meet. How did volunteering your time for the Paint It Black Project change your outlook? The Paint It Black Project, although it kind of was created out of something negative, we're hoping to create a more inclusive community on Drake's campus and be a part of more equity and inclusion initiatives. And we have been. It has definitely opened my eyes to a lot of the aspects of community that go unnoticed sometimes. When people need something, sometimes that's when community is pushed to the forefront. It's so great to see the support that we have had from not only students, but faculty, staff, and people outside of Des Moines and outside of Iowa. I'm really excited to see what the Painted Black Project has for the future. What have you learned about yourself or the people around you by being an advocate for anti-racism? I've definitely learned that I have a platform and I have a voice and I intend to use it. I'm somebody who's never really been content with being quiet, especially when I know something is wrong, whether it only affects me or an identity group that doesn't have anything to do with me. For some reason, people listen to what I have to say sometimes. And, you know, if that's the case, great. I might as well take advantage of it and say what needs to be said. I've also learned, I think, to be content with the fact that everyone won't agree with you because we did get a lot of backlash. The good definitely outweighed the bad, but I kind of had to, you know, rein myself in and be like, listen, the people who don't agree with me, I can't really change their minds. They've, they're set in their ways and they've been set in their ways, and that's not something that I can control. And I guess that's also what I've learned is learning when and how to let go. You're at the beginning of your sophomore year. Do you think Des Moines is a place you will stay after college? I'm not somebody who likes to really stay in one place for too long. Even going back home for the summer to Milwaukee, I was itching to come back to Des Moines or go anywhere else for that matter. So I might stay here for a year or two, but I definitely will come back and visit time to time, visit Drake, visit family, friends, that kind of thing. Um, But I don't know what 
the future holds. I might move to D.C. I might move out of the United States, but I'm excited for that. What does success look like for you? You know, a lot of people say that success should be happiness in life, that, you know, you are your most successful when you're at your happiest. But I think for me, success and happiness go along with the career path that I want. I'm hoping that I get to help a lot of people. I'm hoping that I have a huge impact on, you know, this country and this world um, as far as eliminating issues that have become human rights issues.